welcome to the House of Learning podcast, produced by Jesus Church College. Join hosts Richard Tamburo and Molly Inman as they chat with other faculty and guests about church, the Bible, theology, and learning the way of Jesus here in Portland. Today, we're talking about 43 communities and Pornea. Hi everyone, I'm Richard. We're back. We had a week or two off because we unloaded all the gender and ministry recordings on the podcast and you had about 10, 12 hours worth of stuff <laughs> dropped on the podcast. So I had a little break. Uh, but today I'm with Dave Scriven, who I don't think you've been on the podcast before. This is my first time on no, your podcast. because we've talked about 43, but not with you. Oh, absolutely. Many that's, times. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, this Sunday, uh, the topic of pornography in, in a story that Weston shared, personal story mm-hmm. came up and it touched a nerve for so many people. Uh, it was like, well, we, there happens to be a thing. It a is a thing. That, that happens and is available. And, it, and it's, got, it's not just a Westside thing, um, but uh, it began with Dave, who's at Westside. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay... Um, you know, this has raised something really important. So what better thing than to have some more conversation about that Absolutely. on the podcast today? Absolutely. And um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know where to start. I mean, I, I guess getting a bit of your story would be good. Sure. But it's um, I, j- before people are like, eh, I'm going to switch off. I'm just going to say like when we talk about 423 and we talk about what the bible says about this key word that you wrote about pornea yeah. mm-hmm. we're not just thinking about like someone who's addicted to pornography like this i i'd love for our chat today actually that's a a hot button practical thing mm-hmm. but actually we live in this hyper sexualized world we're trying to figure out as a jesus follower what your sexuality is for and how to express it is dang hard you know and so, actually, this is, you know, married, single, male, female, like... We're, Old, young, yeah, all races, all, all, all cultures, everybody. Yeah, we just got to call out in our culture, you know, for, for Jesus followers, this is one of the places, um, and not the only, and sometimes it can be made to feel like the biggest and the taboo one and the weird one. Yeah. But it is one of the places where, like, our style of living and and being human really differs a lot from our cultures and yeah so there's a lot to navigate there's so much to talk about yeah absolutely so <clears throat> so i i want to plot a course from okay so there's a big need and now we've got this ministry called 43 which yeah. we will if you don't know what it is we are going to say that we will get there yes we will um but like dave you're the pioneer that went from this need to then like, I'm going to do something about it. So tell us a bit of your story about like, how how did that happen? How did caring for this become a thing for you? Thank you. Great question, Richard, and I really appreciate it. And we can start by explaining that I am a broken man. When I was about 10 years old, I discovered a Playboy magazine hidden under the t-shirts of my dad's closet. Now, for those of you that don't know, Playboy is the old-fashioned pornography. Today, with the advent of the Internet, 
it is now the three A's. Porn is accessible, available, and anonymous. It's the perfect storm for any kid, any eight-year-old kid with the press of a button to have graphic imagery and uh, actual video of the sex act. It's a it's a horrible accessibility, availability, uh, affordability, and anonymity. Yeah, it is there at the push of a button. Yes, and for almost anybody. U- almost ubiquitous. It's there. Yeah. Yeah. And and there's the sort of graphic sex act, but also you can just be walking down the street and you can get hit with it. And, and the, w- the, the way some clothing is presented, the way mm-hmm. jewelry is like <clears throat> the way everything is marketed to us. Um, like very sex, sex sells. Yeah. You know. So absolutely does. Yeah, across a broad spectrum, we're being confronted and it, it's available, like you say. But, but back some, in those sometimes days, it's available, but sometimes it's like unless you walk around with your eyes closed. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. Yeah. Until they make a burqa's standard affair for all yeah. women. Special filter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna have to yeah. navigate yeah. the sexualized uh, culture. And so in which you we bumped find into it at a young age. I was only ten years old. And again, that was that way predates the internet. Mm-hmm. So I found this Playboy magazine. It's uh, to by today's standards, it would be considered soft pornography. But it was for me, uh, an it was the most uh, alluring, fascinating, interesting thing I'd ever laid my eyes on. Yeah, I learned very quickly how to use pornography, and it was uh, a part of my life. I mm. couldn't wait until my parents would go out at night, and I got to babysit my younger brother and sister. And when it, when they went to bed. I went straight. I made a beeline to that pornographic material that my dad kept hidden. That launched me into an addictive lifestyle of sexual misconduct mm-hmm. that literally went on for the next 35 years. Wow. When I was in my mid-40s, I'd had enough, and I sought help. And I found that help in a program much like 423 Communities. Yeah. So let me ask you, what um, the way you describe it is really interesting because I've looked a little bit uh, in my earlier years as, yeah. a, as a philosopher looking at uh, identity and agency, this kind of, I had enough, like something snaps, like a realization dawn moment yeah. um, is actually quite <coughs> common in interrupting addiction. Mm-hmm. And so that's really interesting. I'm like, what, you know, is there anything to learn from your, like how you got to, the I've had enough moment? Well, I think there is, Richard, and that's a great question. I have a chapter in my book called The uh, Pursuit of Pornea is the yes. name of the book. Which will, is it on Amazon? It's on Amazon. Right. We'll put a yeah, link can, in the notes. Yeah, so easy to get a hold of. You don't of. need to write it down. Just go okay. to the, go, we'll put the Amazon Very link good. in the notes. <laughs> and the book is a review of the culture of sexual addiction and a biblical pathway to recovery. And we've seen this work. I have a chapter in the book called interrupting the pattern of relapse. Mm. And this is an important concept that you bring up, how to interrupt this pattern so that we don't fall into it over and over and over and over again. And the realization came to me at some point, even though I was helpless to do anything about it, that there was something wrong. I couldn't stop. And, and that was a hard pill to swallow because most of us who have an addictive personality think, well, we can stop anytime we want. That's part of the denial. Yes. And we'll use porn... We may commit solo sex to the uh, pictures or the visuals on on the uh, the screen or or the magazine, and after we're done, 
spilling our seed. If I hope I'm not being too graphic here, before these uh, beautiful people prancing naked, we feel guilty. Yeah, we feel shameful, and that's when we make promises we cannot possibly keep. Mm. And the promises sound something like this: I will never, 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 never do that again. Yeah, we live as addictive personalities in never, 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 never land. We actually think we can stop this. Yeah. And this sense of false or limited repentance is part of the addictive ritual. Mm. We will continue to apologize to Jesus, our conscience, to God, and for a brief moment we feel a little bit better. And we feel better because of that process of confession. And we know confession is something God demands. But if it stops there, within a few days, we come right back to that process and we commit this pattern over and over and over again. And the key is to interrupt the pattern of relapse and to come to the realization that that's what we're in. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Yeah. So some, it's like something has to change. Something has yeah. to change. And that's the interesting thing. Because like, <clears throat> uh, I'd, I'd read a lot of studies by psychiatrists working with uh, people had, who had addictions to uh, alcohol. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, external factors that were just pressuring people to deploy their resources better. Mm-hmm. You know, doesn't it, work, it, and and it's just like no, the, there's an ingredient missing, or right. maybe more than one, but like something's missing. That's right, um, and that's really interesting because that's kind of like what Weston talked about on Sunday, which you know he really didn't want to do it. He that's saw right. how destructive it was. Like lots of the ingredients were there, but he couldn't get freedom. That's right. You know, and that's beca- right. and um. Yeah, on our own, it cannot be done. Yeah, but, and it cannot be done. And here's the interesting thing: it just like a theology of sin, mm-hmm. just to spread our wings into that for a moment. Sure, saying that a you're sin. You're the theologian, Richard, so you're <laughs> going to help me on hey, this. Hey, you one. wrote a book, <laughs> so, so we're a good team, man. aren't like, we? <laughs> you're a bona fide. You got the credentials. <laughs> yeah, but um, just in our culture to say, like, oh yeah, that like that's a sin that we just can't escape by ourselves. You know, it, it can almost sound like, oh man, it must be like a really bad, that's so tragic. Now actually, no sin can be escaped by ourselves. That is correct, Amundo. Right? And so that is exactly right. This realization to do with some sexual sins, it, it uh, there's nothing fundamentally different theologically I, with I this believe sin you are correct. than other sins. Yes. And, and that can actually be super encouraging. Because it can, especially, I don't know, like uh, I'll use the example of maybe like a sin of anger or something like that. Not as taboo in our culture. So if you fail in that area, you may feel really bad, but there's the cultural voice loading the shame on may not be as loud. But with porn, the cultural voice of shame, especially if you're a Christian, is very loud. So let's talk about that. Right? This and so is it can called, feel different. This is called stigma. Yes. There's yes. a huge stigma associated with uh, sexual sin. Now, now and, let's, with, and just with sex itself. That's right. Sexual sin. Well, let's, which let's, is part of the problem. Let's analyze that. Yeah. Uh, back a century ago, maybe not even that long ago, uh, if you were an alcoholic, 
you, you were considered a down and outer, a bum, a yeah. skid row. No hope. Uh, no hope, yeah. hopeless, despair. Yeah. It, there was a huge stigma to that. Yeah. Then along came Bill W., and he started the, the, the movement uh, called that we now call yeah. Alcoholics Anonymous. It's now become almost acceptable to proclaim yourself as an alcoholic or someone who is on the path of recovery mm -hmm. from alcoholism. Oh, good for you. Yes. We're very proud of you. Yes. A guy comes in and says, yeah, I'm a, I'm a sex addict and, and I'm on the path of recovery. What? Shun that guy. Yes. Because that seems yep. way too much. That's, oh, TMI, too much information. Yep. I don't want to hear about that. So there is a stigma associated. It, it is my hope that someday we will normalize this experience, not to condone it in any way, yeah. but to understand that this is common. Let's yeah. start with no man, no woman with integrity would ever look at pornography. Now, now hold the thought. There are many people in our churches using porn. As a matter of fact, the most conservative stats I can find are yes. that 65% of the men in our the pews of any given local church are using pornography on some sort of regular basis. So you're telling me, Dave, that these guys don't have integrity? Actually, I'm not. Yeah. Because here's what I will qualify that statement with. No man or woman or young person with integrity would ever look at porn unless there was an addictive component. Mm. And there is. Now we have to go a little deeper and we have to ask ourselves, hmm... What is the purpose of an addiction? Why would we be drawn to an addictive behavior? Well, the reason is simple. We are humans, and part of our human condition, we are sinners. We have a propensity towards sin. And when we sin, we feel hurt, pain. And the fallout of the sin of humankind has created a world in which pain, disillusionment, disappointment unhappiness, fear, anxiety, hurt, depression, mm -hmm. all of this can be and is a part of every human being's experience. You could say it's a part of the human condition. Yep. It causes a level of pain in our lives that we want to avoid. Mm -hmm. And the more addicted a person is, the more pain adverse he is. And so we do everything in our power to try to avoid that pain by anesthetizing it, medicating it, taking the edge off of it. And this is, like you said earlier, it's no different than any other kind of addiction. Mm -hmm. We'll use or overuse alcohol. We'll spend our life savings gambling. We'll um, sit for hours and zone out on video games. We'll spend money we don't have. Or we'll look at porn because all of that delivers a shot of dopamine into the pleasure yep. centers of our brain. And for the moment, for the moment, we feel no pain. Yep. And it feels so good and so satisfying. And even to think about thinking about looking at porn causes most of us who've had an addictive personality around this issue to feel kind of giddy inside. Mm. And it, it start all the pain and the issues and the problems of life sort of fade and we focus on the one thing, the one thing that's going to take away that pain yeah. until it doesn't. Because when we're done using, all that pain comes flooding yeah. back in along with the shame yeah. for having used liar. the addictive um, yeah. pattern. And now 
we have even more pain. Yeah. And the cycle continues yeah. and continues. And there is no way out without a process yeah. that we've employed where Jesus Christ is the center of this process of recovery. We called our unique recovery methodology or proposition. Yeah. And I'd like to share that with you. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, I, I want to um, just throw in, because you're making me think of more good theology. So I yeah. want to add that in as well. Yeah. Because it's the complexity of addiction is, and actually sin itself is addictive. Oh, yeah. You know, like it says the pleasures of sin that last for a season. Yep. You know, so uh, sin fits this dynamic. Like, the f- you know, the first sin... Eve did not commit the first sin because she was like, ah, oh, man, you know, like God made me, it made me good, but I'd really like to go pursue some evil. No. No, she was fooled into thinking that that this taking this fruit would make her succeed at the good thing she wanted to mm-hmm. be like God. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's just an interesting dynamic in the way that we can stigmatize uh but we can kind of self-stigmatize as well, like mm-hmm. the way we we shame, the way we, I don't know, listen to our culture's voice that you know you just you just need to try harder or, but without recognizing, it, it's like you can take the entire package of what's happening mm-hmm. and say, man, I just want to throw all of that away. I don't even want to open that box because I know it's all bad inside that mm-hmm. box. But inside the box of addiction it is very often you're self-medicating because of some good thing. You want to be comforted. You want peace. Mm-hmm. You want rest. You want, And there are things to affirm that if you can't recognize the things going on in your soul, there's no way that That's like, a good point, God's Richard. voice mm-hmm. of love and freedom... Mm-hmm. And the resources and community, vulnerability, trust, like all we'll get we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There but are many authors they, who they, believe there's nothing to connect to. It's like you've just become a, a soul that's devoid of any care, other than the ones that don't happen to be touched by your addiction. But you know what? You'll just end up as a human who just attaches other addictions to those and before long, you'll have nothing left. Yeah. You know? And so it, it just theologically it's just interesting to allow a conversation about pornography to join up with a conversation just about the nature of sin. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it, it just, I don't know. Like, it, it'd be really easy to, like, oh, we've got to talk in hush voices today. Right. Because we're talking about, like... And we're sure not going to do that, If we're going to we? talk about the sin <laughs> of lying or something, yeah. like, no, we can just talk about that. Like, yeah. so that's a normal thing to talk yeah. about, you know? And uh, yeah, it, so here, it just here's a thought because you really stimulated something in me. There, uh, thank you for this conversation. I, I'm enjoying this, Richard, immensely. We should do this often over coffee, anytime, yes, with or without the podcast. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, I, there are many authors, and and I'm one of them who who believes that our pursuit of porneia, that while that is uh, something Paul said, flee immorality or flee yep. porneia. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. Yeah. But the man who commits porneia in the Greek, that is to do something immoral or pornizes himself, then sins against his own body. Yeah. So this is really important to, to understand that there is a distinction mm-hmm. in the Bible between every other sin and the sin of immorality. This is the reason or yeah. the sin of porneia. There's a special twist on it. There's a special yeah. twist on it. This is uh, the reason I call pornography... 
the mother of all addictions. And while it is true that sin is sin and that God looks upon sin as sin, and all of us are sinners and all of us have uh, the right to come into the presence of God only because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. that has earned our redemption, and by a simple act of faith of receiving him into our lives, we can there, uh, by his good grace, stand before the throne Mm -hmm. of God. So we understand that. But we do know that there is something unique about this sin of pornography. So that is uh, an important distinction, I think. Uh, yeah, to make. that's. I'm really glad you pointed that out because in my looking for the the big patterns, there's some in the detail there. There's a distinction that's really important. There is as a well. distinction yeah. that that yeah. Paul has made. Yeah, let, let let's talk about it a little bit. Like, yeah, you know, because it is in. I mean, it's not a way we talk about sin and self. The language Paul uses. There, no, not like, at all. You know. And we need to get back to the biblical witness. External and well, yeah, it's just a confusing verse. Yeah. Um, so uh, actually, I'm going to look it up and then read it because I know I can put a reference yep. in the notes. Yeah, that I, sounds great. I, it's, I know uh, no First Corinthians. No one's actually going to look it up. <laughs> First Corinthians six eighteen. I believe uh, he's got it on the tip of his tongue. See, I knew it was First Corinthians, but I, that would have been a Google search. <laughs> <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> Google okay. search a verse. So I'm going to read just uh, a few verses before here. Yeah. Um, so he's actually beginning this section. He's talking about, well, he's there's a sort of asceticism going on mm-hmm. in the Corinthian world um, where like our physicality has become somewhat demonized. Yeah. And there's a sort of proto-Gnostic idea that maybe our spiritual self is really our true self and our bodies just, you know. Don't matter. And so, yeah, maybe like food and uh, yeah. drink and marriage and like things we do with our body don't yeah. really matter that much. Yeah. And Paul's trying to reclaim actually a sense that we're embodied beings and our physicality does matter. That is correct. And it and it matters in the sense that it could, there's damaging possibility in and sin. And this body is the temple yeah. of the Holy Spirit. But positive as well. Yeah. yeah. And so he says... Uh, I have the right to do anything you say, because another thing he's having to deal with is pe- you know, where this is leading is people are like, well, you know, if God's grace has saved my soul and my body doesn't really matter, then it doesn't matter what my body does. So, Yeah, you, know, you have the asceticism on one side, and then you have this uh, licentiousness on the other. Yep. And both existed in the Corinthian um, um, culture yes. at the time. But, and uh, prominently so. Yeah. yeah. So you, ha- you have a right to do anything you say, but not everything's beneficial. So he's trying to get him to think. I have the right to do everything, but I will not be mastered by anything. And that's mm-hmm. an interesting phrase, being mm-hmm. mastered by something. You I love st- the way you say that. I would say mastered. <laughs> you say mastered. You say it so well, Richard. One of these days I should just like put on a mock Indian accent or something <laughs> for everyone. Uh, so so Paul goes, goes on to these people. He says, you say food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. As in, hey, the body and food just it doesn't matter. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Mm-hmm. So very powerful, redemptive. That's like, right. ah, food and the body doesn't matter. Like, but it does. Well, well, maybe like your body's actually for Jesus and Jesus actually is concerned about your body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead. Raised his body, doesn't say, but... And he will also raise us physically do you not know that your bodies are members of christ himself which is a profound 
we've talked about it lots of times on the mm-hmm. podcast because that's a beautiful piece of theology. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. And then he goes on, the, the word you just used, flee. So flee sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were brought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. The conclusion. Isn't that a beautiful passage of Scripture? Thank you for reading it in its entire context. Yeah. So so let's talk about this like inside-outside, sins that are outside. So what do you think he's getting at when he says like, you know, uh, his phrase phrasing here um, that if you sin sexually, you sin against your own body. So I'm going to be brutally forthright with you about this yeah. because that's the only way I know how to be. I can't bluff my way through this one. <laughs> Here's my answer. Yeah. And it's the truth for me. Yeah. Whatever Paul meant when he said those who sin with immorality or do sexual immorality, sin against their own body. Every other, or sin against uh, their own body. Every other sin a man commits is outside the body. But the man who commits porneia, that's the Greek word, or yes. pornizes himself, sins against his own body. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no, now, let me finish. I have no idea what he meant by that. Yep. And I've, I've studied the Greek. I, yep. I, have, a, I have two it's advanced degrees. It's not going to be the next, the next book you're going to write. <laughs> I, I Probably not. I have a, a master of divinity, and yep. I've studied the Greek and Hebrew languages, and, and I'm not fluent, but I know how to exegete a yep. verse. Yep. And I've attempted so you've to d- You've dug and dug and dug at this. I've dug and dug and dug. Yep. And I've come up with, I don't know. Yeah. But what I do know is he made a distinction. Okay. He made a distinction yeah. between... This sin and all other sins. That much I know because he said that. Why that's true, how it's true, what the difference is between outside and inside the body, I can't quite yeah. say. And it's not I that wish nobody has any idea. It's just that this is, if you took 10 commentaries, they might all say something different. They might, and right. they do. Yeah. So yeah. it's a fascinating yeah. intellectual it's, and theological question. And one that at my level, even though I consider myself a student of the Bible, mm-hmm. I read the Bible cover to cover every single year. I study the languages. I love the yeah. word we do in our program, and I do personally something called PB and J. Yeah, and that's not peanut butter and jelly. That's prayer. Which I, I'm Bible. glad to hear because I don't like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> <laughs> For us, it means prayer, Bible, and journaling. Yeah, and so daily I read the Bible. I spend some time in prayer, and I journal some entry from the Scripture that I study and devotionally uh, try to apply to my life. So this is a practice or a discipline of life, but I still cannot tell you today yeah. exactly what that verse means. No. And I can't either. So I was interested what you might have thought. Yeah, <laughs> maybe we would. But it, it, it seems like there's something going on there where must be. a door has been opened for it to be okay for sexual immorality, and, it, and that... Part of what Paul's getting at is that they've devalued the importance of their body. That is, see, that is a very, very good observation, Richard. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because that 
that is where we live. We actually live in this body, and what we do with our bodies matters. Mm-hmm. It matters so much so. And by the way, I've, I've done lots of things in the body of Christ. I've been a pastor. I've, been, I've preached many times. I've, I've um, been involved in church leadership mm-hmm. forever. Since I was 17 and came to Christ, I, yeah. I got involved in a local church, and I'm now 69. Dove in the so deep end. <laughs> What's that? You dove in the deep end. I dove into the deep end, <laughs> and I got in, I went to seminary, and I got my advanced degrees, my MDiv, and my Master of Arts in Bible, and I, I studied, and I love the Word. But I'm just, a, as it turns out, a simple guy. <laughs> I, just, I just take the... Which, the, the more any of us studies is what... If we're honest, we all discover <laughs> that may be so. And actually, it's a really good thing. Yeah. It may be so. And, and as much as, and here's the dichotomy. This is the big deal that I think is so evident and has risen to the surface during my time with 423 Communities, which started as 423 Men, right here in our local church yes. at Westside. It was then called Solid Rock. And uh, we started this ministry. It was, yep. it was a beautiful thing. I thought it would just be a small little thing, but it's just grown exponentially, and we'll talk so about let, that yeah, let's later. Get to, let's get to that story, because we want to not be here for two hours, which yeah. clearly we could. Oh, we could we, easily we be here talking. for two hours. So you, you, or three. I, w- I kind of want to almost get back to your story. So you came, yeah. we could, you came to this moment of like, enough's enough. Something's yep. broken. Yep. I can't do this the way I've been trying to do this, yep. to solve this problem, fix this issue, to be better. Um and you know, in different words, actually, they bring out different aspects of what needs to change. Like, I can't be healed, or I can't be free, or I can't achieve the thing, the righteousness I want to achieve. There's all sorts of layers, yeah, there is, you know, to our, our emotions, our thoughts. Um, but you got to that crunch point, yeah, and then you encountered a program that helped, yeah, right. And so, I mean, we can't cover in five minutes an entire wealth of like the 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 wisdom in a program yeah but but um, we can we but, can cover the basics we can, we can do the highlights right we'll do the highlights and, and i'd love i'd love for people to hear a little bit of like the highlights but there's something about the difference this made to you that you so appreciated and saw jesus at work in that you wanted to like undertake not just as a secular program but really as a minute as like this is a way god yeah, can a tool to help Absolutely. God show up to people. Absolutely. Right? So take us on that journey then okay. of like what you encountered and then what it gave birth to as this uh, idea, this dream of a, a ministry. Yeah, yeah, great. Thank you so much, uh, Rich. That's a great question. And so let's uh, address that in this way. Uh, when I was young, I was completely hooked. On, mm-hmm. on some form of porn, and I was always looking for it. And I became a young pastor, and I thought that would solve the problem, mm-hmm. and it didn't. I was married, and I thought that would solve the problem, and it didn't. This problem superseded everything and created in me this dichotomy or there's two personalities in one. And, of course, Jesus said you cannot serve two masters. Yeah. You'll either hate the one and despise the other, or you'll cling to one and push the other away. So we cannot serve two masters. And the problem with porn in particular is that it affects us in, a, in such a dramatic way that we have this need for it and we continue to clamor for it and all the while keep it hidden from view. 
Mm. So we come to church, and we have to maintain a split personality of sorts. Mm-hmm. I'm not uh, saying... Hi- and not just split, but a hidden personality is yeah. kind of what you're saying, right? And I do not want to convey that I'm I'm a psychoanalyst. Yeah. Or, and I've talked to psychologists and, and uh, psychiatrists about this. I said, well, is, there, is this such a thing as a... Is this a schizophrenic kind of uh, a thing? And I didn't get a clear answer. Mm. So I will only speak to the limits of my knowledge, which is that while it may not be a clinical... Uh, split personality notion. Yeah. It is true that within the person who is the addict, who uses porn and is a believer, which many, many believers are in this condition, they must portray a different exterior than they feel who they yes. really are on the inside. Yeah. And so they go to church on Sunday, yep. and they're Joe good guy. Hello, sister so-and-so. Hello, brother so-and-so. Hey, how's it going? Oh, everything's great. They go home, and in the secrecy of their office at home when no one's around, they pull up the porn, and they think, if anybody knew me mm-hmm. the way I really am, if they knew this about me because of the stigma we talked about, yep. I would be shunned. I would be kicked out of the church. They would not. So they're forced into a position to yeah. having to present themselves differently yeah. than they feel inside. And this is a setup at the bare minimum for mental illness mm. and unhappiness and a sense of loss of joy and an incongruence in my soul mm. when I am different on the inside than I am on the outside, yeah. that there is no unity of meaning or purpose. Yeah. And it will lead to destruction. Yeah, it's like the modern way of talking about it is like the disintegrated life. There you, you go. Know? Yeah. But um and and to an extent we all wrestle with that a little bit. We yeah, all we, do. we all present a bit of yeah. a face to the world. Yeah. But there's something about the the theology, the physicality, the culture, the stick there's a whole set of the things all around encompassing that mean maybe the scope yeah. of this kind of anchor for shame in yeah. a hidden part of yourself that means you can't be honest with God, can't be honest with yourself, can't be honest with others, is profound. And it brings you to a sense of hopelessness, despair, and you find yourself on the precipice, on the cutting edge, on the very edge of a deep, black, dark hole mm. that you're going to throw yourself into eventually. And and we, we have to be clear about the Bible. The Bible makes minces no words about this. The wages of sin is death. Yeah. And that's where this leads us. But the free gift of God is eternal life yeah. in Christ Jesus, Romans 6.23. So we need to make a radical change. This isn't just sin management where we learn to... Oh, that's a good word to throw out. Oh, yeah, we're not yeah. just trying to manage this, because that's the thing from Sunday again. Weston was like, there's actually freedom. If Weston said the good news is Jesus loves you and the sin management tools are available, that would not have been profoundly good news. <laughs> no, that's that's profoundly bad news as it turns out. Yeah. Uh, sin management is um, taking a hit of my drug of pornea that is just large enough to give me that rush of dopamine that I so long for, mm. but just small enough to avoid detection by, or at least major disapproval by God. Now think of the, the nonsensicalness of that. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sin just enough to get my hit, but 
not too much because I don't want God to notice. Yeah. And I don't want to feel bad. I don't want my conscience to be tweaked or hurt. So we try to walk this fine line, and it's yeah. impossible. I mean, it reminds Cannot me of, be done. Uh, it reminds me of Cain and Abel. You know, Cain, Cain's sin was kind of like, well, you know, I'm going to murder someone, but I don't want the repercussions. I'm upset because I don't want the repercussions. Yeah, yeah. And so it, we... It's this kind of... There's a foolishness, and a, but it's a kind of out of blindness, out of self-deception, out of, you know, all these factors, Yeah, you know. It's so fallacious. Yeah. It's so it's almost hilarious when you think about it. When you yeah. look at it uh, from the outside looking in, and if you can detach from yourself just a little bit and objectify your process, you can see it's 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 crazy mm-hmm. to think that this could actually happen. That we could actually manage our sin. So what what we teach in four two three is that there, and we call this our unique recovery proposition. And yep. this is a perfect time to explain yep. that. It's based on two principles. Number one, I can stop pernea. I can stop using sexual sin. I can stop masturbating to images on the, on the screen. I can stop going to the strip clubs. I can stop um, uh, uh, mentally undressing uh, the pretty women I see. I can, I can stop having that affair. Mm-hmm. But I cannot do it alone. Yeah. Now, this is really key because if we think we can manage this thing, we will. And if we think we can do it alone, we will. Nobody in their right mind would ever come to a 423 men group or 423 women's group because of the stigma. We'd never do that mm-hmm. unless we came to the end of ourselves and we knew we couldn't do this mm-hmm. our, alone. And that's a very, very critical part of the process. Yeah. I and, can overcome. And again, the deep theology is God didn't actually design any of us to deal with sin ourselves. No, he did not. Like you are he, right. He died for it and then created a church because the process of healing from sin and brokenness is something that's supposed to be done in community. And, and you're going to get every sin. You have just <laughs> tapped on one of my hot, hot, hot buttons. Yeah. And believe me, I, if, I'm almost going to be jumping out of the chair here because <laughs> I'm so excited about this notion. Anybody who says they can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which we know is Scripture from Philippians yeah. chapter 4, Paul said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That can sometimes be misapplied and code for, I can do this. Yeah, because on I'm a my Christian. Own. If I try harder, I'll Because succeed. I have Jesus. Yeah. Me and Jesus can conquer this. It's not about me and Jesus. Yeah. And, and before you brand me as a heretic, <laughs> this is not about me and Jesus. Yeah. We have to get this. This is about Jesus, his body, and I. Yeah. And that's not just for pornography. That's just... That's for everything. That's for everything. That's for Literally everything. everything. That's everything. <laughs> and not just sin. Je- how we grow, how we get sanctified. Jesus how is we, the everything. head of the church. Yeah. And if we think We're me designed and Jesus, to be part of a body. Yeah. If we think yeah. me and Jesus can handle this problem, that's code for me alone. Yeah. We, we sometimes think... And you can try, but that's kind of like, oh, I'm going to make a dinner without going to the grocery store. That's a good analogy. And it, and it can be done in certain arenas of life, but it can't be done in every arena it, of life. And, and it's not the best way. Of course not. But it's, because, it's this weird thing in our culture of, like, you're a stronger Our rugged person individualism. If you can do it by yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is key. big lie. We cannot split Jesus from his church. Mm-hmm. No church, no Jesus. Get that. Yeah. Because Jesus is the head of the body. 
So people who misapply, I can do all things through him and strengthens me, and believe that they can overcome this sin of pranaya, even though they have an addictive personality, and this is their sin of choice or addiction of choice. Mm-hmm. When they say, me and Jesus can fix this, they're wrong. The answer is Jesus, his church, and me. Because let's talk about the theology of who Jesus is. Jesus is not just a, a, a simply a floating head out there. He is the head of the body. But not a floating head. But he's not a floating <laughs> head. He's not a dismembered head. I love that. He That's is a great visual he is for a this. Part yeah. of the, it's, it would be like taking, you've never seen those little happy balloons, helium filled, that yeah. you bring to birthday parties and got a happy smiling face. That's not Jesus who's just floating out there and, oh, I'll grab that balloon. That's a pipe dream. Mm-hmm. We like to think of Jesus sometimes as the lone. We're the Lone Ranger, and Jesus is no more than Tonto, our sidekick. Mm-hmm. And when we need him, we'll call on him. But we ourselves become the hero of our own story, and that is wrong. Jesus must be the hero of our story. And the only way for that to happen is to get an understanding that Jesus is not disconnected from his church. No church, no Jesus. No communion of the saints, no, no gospel. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. him working through the community and that's why in 423 communities, we have a mission. The mission is to shine the light of the gospel of sexual sobriety in every dark corner of the globe. And we do this by invitation of the local church. Mm-hmm. We don't meet in coffee shops and homes and all of that. We meet in the local church because we want our men and women to understand that their healing comes through the body of Christ. So I am proud to say that we have many, many host churches now, but we started right here at Solid yeah. Rock now called Westside at Jesus Church, and we have a number of groups right here at Westside. And I'm going to put the the link to the website in the notes. Good. So if anyone's listening and like, I should check it out, Yeah, it'll be easy to find. Yeah, and anyone can join, and if you join, it's completely anonymous, and your information will be kept confidential. So that's principle number one. That yeah. is our first and foremost principle. Do you know, just because you're reminding me, it joins up with Sunday again. Yeah. You know, because Weston was making the point about how it was the realization, like seeing himself as God sees him, the realization of radical love that created space to then kind of be honest with himself, be honest with God, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. But it's also that radical love in a community. It has that, to be in community. You know, that so it, it creates, uh, like it opens a door to some things, that mm-hmm. sort of radical love. Um, but that's the beautiful thing about the church. That's the, you know, the next level above what maybe an Alcoholics Anonymous group can aspire yeah. to yeah. is the, the same kind of radical, we're not going to shame you love that and the Trinity gives us is that's what right. a community that's right. in a church can then extend. I love the... Richard, you are a, a, a true intellectual. I love <laughs> the way you can take uh, your philosophic bent, which is pro-Bible, and take the Word of God and apply it accurately to exactly mm. what our process is. You yeah. are co- exactly correct. Without the church, we cannot do yeah. this. And, that, and Jesus is not separated from his church, so we, we have to understand he has a body. You're yep. that body. I'm that body. We're, and it's his preferred way of working. He loves to work through his church. He works through people, yep. Yep. like you and me, broken people, people yep. who are imperfect. Now, let's make one real quick clarification. Just because we know that we must make this a communal effort, we've got to work 
with our our confession within the church and and get the help we need from members of the body of Christ and not just the head but mm-hmm. the head plus the body does not mean that we share this with everybody mm-hmm. because some people simply are not safe yeah so we would not share our deepest darkest secrets with every person mm. even if they're believers some believers are not safe yeah. around this yeah. and they wouldn't know how to handle it yeah so that's why we've built a structure within which you can feel safe and there is utterly no upside to lying. Mm. In our groups, we do not allow advice giving. We simply tell our story. Every man in a gender-specific group or woman in, in her uh, 423 mm-hmm. uh, women's group will share their story and what they're going through week by week and they'll tell the truth, the whole truth, about what they're actually... Not, they won't theorize it. They won't philosophize it. They won't uh, biblicize it. They'll simply say, this is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, and then that leads us to the second yes. principle of our unique recovery methodology. So let's just start with, we can get better, but we can't do it alone. We have to have a safe, shame-free environment mm-hmm of trusted friends with whom we meet on a regular basis to tell the truth about our sexual activity and pull no punches, do not lie, simply lay it out there. It's safe to do so because no one's going to shame us, no one's going to tell us what we should do different. They're not going to quote in the historic sense, hold us accountable. They're going to just simply listen. And I love the way you said there's no motivation to lie. None. Because once you love radically and shame isn't an option, it kind of pulls the teeth out of the motivation to lie. That's right. Which I love. So let so give us the okay. rest of That's the principle process number one. Here. Yeah. The second principle is I can get better. Well, the first is I can get better, but I cannot do it alone. The second principle is my bad sexual behavior is not even about sex. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a very critical point. Sex in its negative sense... And sex, by the way, is a very positive gift from God. Yeah. God gave us sex. Yeah. The guy Which is another says, mistake that can be made here. Yeah. We don't that's wanna, another conversation it, for another day. It is, day. but let's just yeah. at least say this, that, that sex is a... Because I do not want anyone to misconstrue mm-hmm. what we're saying, that sex yeah. is bad. There's, there's something wrong with sex. No. Yeah. Sex is a beautiful expression of love within the, the right uh, confines called the institution of marriage. Yeah. And when a man and a woman come together in a sexual union because uh, they are, they're married and they're lifelong, then this is a beautiful, beautiful gift. Yeah. A beautiful gift. But outside of that context, it can be so misused, as we've already discussed. So we need to ask ourselves, why? Mm-hmm. Why would a man or a woman use pornography or commit the sin of pornea in any of its many forms? Yeah. The, the answer is not, by the way, well, because I like sex. Come on, let's get honest here. Everybody likes sex. Sex is a beautiful gift. It's something God created. And again, in the right setting called marriage, it's a wonderful, beautiful expression of God's best for his mm-hmm. people. I was married for many years, and my wife died of leukemia six and a half years ago. Believe me, I miss that part of our yeah. relationship. I miss that immensely. And maybe someday God will bless me with a, another wife. I know not. We'll yeah. have to wait and see yeah. on that. 
Maybe that'll be another podcast. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> uh, but what we're talking about here is the reason for our bad sexual choices or behaviors. Mm. It's not just because we like sex. Everybody likes sex. It's, it's, there's something deeper. Yep. There's something deeper. So we have to look at the underlying negative emotion, the childhood traumas, the, the stressors in life, mm-hmm. the conflicts with people, the depression, the anxiety, the hurt, the pain, the disillusionment, the disappointments, the, the, the thing that often defines our human condition, both culturally and individually, mm. What is it that's driving me to anesthetize that pain yeah. with the use of this medicating drug of choice called pornea? Yeah. Well, there's something, and that something is what we call the journey of life discovery. That's how we're going to find it. Yeah. We gotta, th- th- to find that something is the journey of life discovery, and that's what 423 is yeah. all about. You can get better, but you got to have a community, and you got to go deep. You got to yeah. figure out why you're doing what you're doing. If you can start to draw the connection between the conflicts you're having with people, or the stress you're having at the job, or the, and it's not to make an excuse for your sin, but it's just to draw the connection, then you can start working on that thing that that pushes you. Yeah, to want understanding to the the dynamics that are going on. When uh, you get yeah. that, and that, it, by the way, is not overnight. That's not something you can yeah. get to quickly. I, I'm glad you said it because I meant to say this or ask this earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there are occasionally sins. Like I was addicted to alcohol. Yeah. As a uh, 18 year old, when I found Jesus. Yeah. And Jesus took it away. I've heard of that. Overnight. I've heard of that. Um, and I was so confused with the next sin. I sat down with the pastor. I was like, I don't understand. Like, Jesus showed me this is wrong. I prayed, and it's not gone away. And he just laughed. He's like, Richard, it's not always like that. <laughs> but this is an example of not just like God does, he, he doesn't want to. He actually, the long, deep journey. It's of, a journey. healing and right. understanding yourself. That's and having right. God be able to reach back and touch things you might not even be aware of. You know, is right. is so much better, so much bigger, and it's interesting. I've I've never met anyone who's gone on a journey like this, I, either with like forty three or therapy, or um, even sometimes it just happens in like deep friendship, like yeah. real friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, who wasn't glad they went unexplored? And now it doesn't mean that everything they were found was you know roses and kittens. It almost like, never is. <laughs> it can be loads of hard stuff. Yeah, uh, and processing it. And dealing with it and uh, and learning how to react to that realization can be hard. But every single person who's undertaken the journey has always said how glad they are yep. for going on the journey. Absolutely. So give us number three then. A what? Because we've done two steps or two ingredients. Well, those are the, the two ingredients. Oh, that's it. I thought it's it was three. There are two. Man, I thought you were a preacher. I thought uh, we were <laughs> three, three points. I do have a three-point <laughs> vision I'd like to share with you, and yeah. we'll get to that okay. in a moment. But our unique recovery methodology so two. is two. two principles. Yeah. One, I can get better, but I can't do it alone. I need a gender-specific, safe group in which I can tell the truth about my sexual mm. uh, behavior. And two, my... Poor sexual choices is not about sex. It's about something deeper. Yeah. Begging the question, why? And we must go on the journey of self-discovery in order to learn what our why is. Yeah. Why are we doing what we're doing? In fact, yeah. the first chapter in my book is called uh, The Journey of Self-Discovery. Yeah. And I 
if anyone would like to pick it up, it's it's available yep. at the link um, will be in the notes. Yeah, easy to find. Yep, it's not yep. a huge, daunting. I don't know. It's easy to it's get. Like easy, easy to read. It's not a long book. <laughs> it's very about accessible. A, about two hundred pages. And, yep. and very accessible. And it's written. And by the way, I want to share this because this might help people understand why this particular book has, has struck a nerve with a lot of people. I've I've, thought, I've, I've sold thousands of copies, and I, I'm I'm sure it's because it's very raw. Mm-hmm. Um, it there's nothing. By the there's nothing clean or nice about this ministry. This is a dirty, filthy ministry. Let's face it. Mm-hmm. But it's where I think Jesus would go. I think yeah. Jesus would be in the, the middle of this kind of stuff because he's the guy who hung around with prostitutes and tax collectors and got criticized by the religious folks of his yeah. day for hanging around with the wrong he sorts. Was, of he was people. dismantling stigmas left, right, and center. That's what and he trying did. Trying to get people to see humans. That's and why understand. I love Jesus yeah. so much. Yeah. At, 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 that's the beauty yeah. of this ministry is that as stinking. Uh, stigmatized as it is, it is actually one of the most freeing, life-giving moments in a man's life or a woman's life when they can honestly say what they've done in the presence of others who are safe and confidential. They will remain anonymous, and yet they know that group is there, and then they start asking the question, why did I do it? Why am I doing this? And they start drawing the dots and making the connections with some of their other areas of life that they have not wanted to work on and realizing they've simply been avoiding that hard recovery work yeah. by the use of their um, sin of choice or addiction of choice. So I always tell the guys who, who join and the gals as well, three three words, and, and these are important words to remember. Prepare to suffer. Mm. There is some suffering that's going to go on in this journey. Now, you know that innately, instinctively, intuitively. You know this because when anyone is separated from their drug of choice, and don't don't fool yourself into thinking that's easy, it's going to be hard work and literally impossible if it weren't for the fact that you have a safe community in which to process and go on that journey. But it can be done. It can be done, and it is done. Yeah. We've had over 3,000 people involved as members of 423 over the course of the last 12 years or 13 years of our existence, started right here in this church. Yeah. We thought it would be just this little group for for our church. Yeah. Quickly grew into two groups and three groups and four groups. We're, we're at Bridgetown downtown, one of the churches that was planted by this yep. church. They planted a church in Vancouver. We have uh, called uh, Van City. We're in Van City. Mm-hmm. We're, we're literally in about 25 host churches around the nation. We're currently in eight states. So this thing has, has just mushroomed yeah and we have tremendous leaders who who lead the charge and it's just been glorious yeah. to watch this thing evolve you said a really important sentence a moment ago as well where you said uh you know what? it was it was long enough and I go, i'm not going to remember word to word press rewind on your podcast sure. player now <laughs> but, but it was about um how we end up not working on other things and that's a really interesting like uh, so if we put uh, sexual, sexually destructive behaviors and sins in a in a box, and we don't open it and we just label it uh, because of the stigma and the way we, we can treat that, so much other growth can kind of be paused, either intentionally or oh, it will unintentionally. Be. It will right? be. And actually, um, I don't know, people... 
that the stigma can tell a narrative over the sin, which is like, well, when you conquer this sin, then you can grow in other areas. Yeah. But what actually, a lie. That's a lie. By opening the box and exploring the why, mm-hmm. in conquering this sin, you will grow in so many other areas. Because the very conquering of the sin requires us to look at those other areas yep. and find out why yep. we do this thing, because this thing is not the thing we think it yep. is. This thing is the thing that keeps us from facing the real yep. thing that we have to yep. deal with, whatever that might be. And so often the why, like uh, trauma, pain, anxiety, like all these other things mm-hmm. that were like, well, I can't work on that because there's this elephant in the room called yeah. my shame. Yeah. Um, and, and the irony is you're kind of, you're caught. You're stuck. A, yeah, you're stuck. You're absolutely yeah. Yeah. stuck. And that's the sort of, you know, they're, then they're, there's a lot of hope. Oh, you there's know, nothing that, but hope. I mean, you can talk to people who've experienced freedom, yep. and that's the hope that's like the end of the journey. But I guess what I'm trying to prod at a little bit here mm-hmm. is you will experience a, little, a lot of hope and a lot of reward in beginning the journey. That is true. Right? And so it's not like, oh, man. Because I can just imagine someone listening being like, this sounds daunting, grueling. I don't think I could ever do it. But they can. Frankly, I think it will be easier to keep self-medicating. Because I can't imagine getting to the end of this journey. But they can. And it's all right. You don't have to imagine getting to the end of the journey. Just take step one. You can if you want. That's awesome. Take step one. But imagine getting to step one because that could be really beautiful. It's, It's on that note. When men... Come in. I mean, and I, I, I don't attend the women's meetings, but I attend many of the men's meetings. Yeah. And we have great women's leaders, so I, they are the same model that we have. Mm-hmm. But when I walk into a men's meeting, and I'm part of that meeting, and a new guy jo- joins, mm-hmm. it's scary for them to walk through the doors of that church and to sit down in this group. They don't know what to expect, and we yeah. make them feel comfortable right away. We don't expect them to say anything the first night. Yes, it takes a while. It takes a while. But when they hear, and this is, this is something that outsiders have told me before as if they knew what goes on. They, they'll say, well, I'm sure it takes many weeks or months before someone can actually open up and talk about this. The answer is no. Mm-hmm. It takes minutes. The moment I have seen the, the revelation of Jesus uh, uh, pervade a man's mind, when he walks into that group and he hears it with conviction the men telling the truth about their lives, he is instantly set free because if they can do it, then he can do it. Yes. And and it's never happens. I've never seen a meeting where the first meeting mm-hmm. a guy hasn't opened up and said things he's never told anyone. Yeah. And I, you know, we we talked about love a few times now. Oh, like love. The radical Jesus love. That's what this is. Is a powerful thing. That's yeah. what this is. And and I uh, just before when you were saying it reminded <laughs> me, you know, um the journey may seem daunting and yada yada yada. But also um, it's really hard when you're addicted to something to imagine being able to like numb a pain or escape something or whatever you're, whatever you're medicating to deal with that there's any other way. Yeah. And that's where it just reminded me uh, in Ephesians when Paul says, you know, you don't need to get drunk on wine. Instead, you can be filled with the Spirit. That's right. Because that's the other beautiful, you know, Without Jesus, we'd be like, well, maybe, you know, maybe you'll discover like a healthier way to self-medicate for mm-hmm. this, to deal with this. No, uh, And the, the profound hope in Jesus is Jesus just says like, you might not always understand how it's going to work out, but like I, I do have what you need <laughs> and I'm willing to give it to you. <laughs> so we, we always come back to those two principles. We can do it 
Yeah. But we can't do it alone. We need to step into a community, and we need to look at the reasons for our behavior. Yeah. Can I? I know we're coming to the end of this podcast. Yes. May I share and I've with got you? a last question for you. Okay. So you've got a last thing as well. I, so I have got one two last thing. Things. Two last things. Okay. I would like to share our vision of 423. I told you our mission to shine yep. the light of the gospel of sexual sobriety in every dark corner of the globe. I told you about our our uh, methodology, which is twofold. I can get better, but I can only get better in a community, and I have to look at the reasons for my behavior. But let's talk about our vision. We have a vision, and the vision is to see a world without uh, pornography. Yep. And and we think this can happen, but here's the threefold part of that. One, i got to get myself healed in a community yep. like 423. Two, then I need to heal my brother, help to heal my brother. Yeah. It, it's a funny thing because when, when, when God asked Cain, where's Abel? He said, what are you asking me for? Am I my brother's keeper? Well, the answer rhetorically is yes, you are your brother's keeper. Yeah. And that's what we are. Mm-hmm. We're here to help our brothers, not then by you, telling them what to do, salt and light. but by listening and sharing our story. Mm. And third, to crush pornography. Now, this is a $100 billion a year industry, and there are 1.5 billion people, or 20% of our population, who actually use pornography and on a regular basis, and, and a third of those are women. Mm. So we kid ourselves if we think this thing isn't real and big, and, yep. and it's a Goliath. It's a behemoth. But if David can take Goliath down with a few small stones, we can take down pornography. We can take it down, but we can't do it until we are healed, until we take seriously the, the, the call to help heal our brothers and be our mm. brother's keeper, and then to go after the giant yeah. and slay him and cut off his ugly head yeah. and put a stop to it. Now, I'm not, not talking about doing this with, with uh, uh, picketing strip clubs yes. or writing our legislature. Yeah. I'm talking about getting my heart right before yeah. God and helping my brother get his heart right. Yeah. And one recovery group at a time, we can take down this thing yeah. called pornography, which has inundated our society. Yeah. So thank you for yeah. letting Love me share that. that. Love that. My last question is a real practical one. So if someone's listened this far and is like, okay, I'll check it out. What's the next step? Is it like, go to the website, join a group, check one out? Is it reach out, have a conversation? Is it send a message to find out more? Like, wh- What's a practical first step for people? It's the easiest thing in the world. 423communities.org slash join. That's all you have to do. Yeah. You take the first step. You go to 423communities.org slash join, and you fill out the application, which is simple. You select a group you'd like to be a part of. There's a $30 application fee, which if you can't afford, we'll give you a code to get in for free. Yeah. You buy the book, which is $10, so your total investment is about $40, and then you'll be placed in a group, and you can start as soon as tonight. Yeah. That simple. That simple. Easy peasy. And the link's in the notes. All right. Well, thank you, Dave. Oh, what a joy. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll catch you next time. All right. Bye, folks. Thanks for listening to this episode of the House of Learning podcast. This podcast is produced by Jesus Church College, based at Westside Jesus Church in Portland, Oregon. AJC College trains and mobilizes the next generation of kingdom leaders through an accredited four-year degree in biblical studies with an emphasis on leadership and formation. We combine classroom learning with mentoring and ministry apprenticeship for a third of the cost of traditional college. To find out more, go to ajccollege.org 
or follow us on Instagram to find out if this is where God could be calling you to explore your calling. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review, subscribe, and share it with someone. And if you have a question you'd like us to chat about, please let us know. You can email us at podcast at ajccollege.org. If you can, send us a 20-second audio recording saying who you are and where you're from, along with your question, and we'd love to include it in a future episode.